Welcome everybody to Victory Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Wilson. Today, our guest just has a natural flair and a gift for creating a culture within a sales team to make it more productive. She spent 23 years at IBM and said, you know what? I'm going to create my own company. Did exactly that. Now she's founder of Heartbeat for Hire and also the host of her own podcast show, Heartbeat for Hire. Welcome to the show, Lindsay. Lindsay Dow, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. So I'm really, really fascinated about people's stories. So how does your story start, Lindsay? What did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, well, I don't know if I knew what I wanted to be at an early age, but one thing I knew for sure is I really love to speak in front of people. I have a big theater background. Um, I really enjoyed being on stage. And I remember telling my mom early on in my career, mom, I want to be a speaker. And she looked at me with that doubt in her eyes, like, girl, what do you know? You're like 25 years old. Like, what are you going to talk about? And so I kind of packed that one away for a while. And I ended up um, finding my way to IBM through Lotus. Lotus was acquired by IBM and I ended up spending 23 years there. Um, but even before that, and really throughout my entire life, I was very much a salesperson. Um, and so all through IBM, I was climbing the ranks from customer service all the way up to being an executive and managing really big sales organizations. And I decided at one point, I learned some really wonderful lessons and I had some great examples of leadership at IBM and made incredible, incredible friendships, but I was ready for a change. So I went to another company um, and was there for a really short time um, because I ended up getting fired um, after six months. And anyone that knows me has a really hard time with that math because they're like, wait, 23 years and proven track record and you got fired? How does that work? And what it really taught me was um, the person I was working for really did not have much in the way of EQ. She didn't value um, the concept of giving people space to do their jobs. She was a really big micromanager. And the two of us just did not mesh. Um, she didn't value the things that I know to be true. And she was very tactical and very focused on um, getting deals done and really wanted me in the weeds on that, which is not the way that I like to lead people. So regardless, it was a kick in the gut I wasn't prepared for. Um, never something I thought at this point in my career that would happen. Um, and I took a breath and I said, okay, what am I good at? What do I love to do? And how can I help people the most? And what it came down to was building this job description called this chief heartbeat officer. And that was advising sales leaders on how to build irresistible sales culture that drives results. And I had done it before, so I know what it felt like. And I knew how to get the best out of leaders and, and watch them get the best out of their teams. So it's a super long answer to your question. But after I did the job description, all these companies were I was interviewing with and they were saying, you could do so many things. What do you want to do? And I said, well, I want to be your chief heartbeat officer. Oh, we love that. We don't have that, but we love it. And I wish we had that. We don't have that, though. Sorry. See ya. And so I then created Heartbeat for Hire. And today I speak to clients and I coach leaders on how to do just that. OK, so in your opinion, Lindsay, what are the ingredients of a phenomenal salesperson? Hmm. Well, a phenomenal salesperson, first and foremost, has to be a good listener, because if you can't listen to your client and if you can't really understand and parrot back the things that they've said to you 
you're only selling what you think you should be doing. And you're you're not going to be as successful because ideally you want to respond to a need that they've got. So you've got to ask good questions. You've got to be a good listener. And you also have to be a leader because there are very few situations where you're in it alone. Whether you're in a medium-sized company or certainly a really large company, I mean, I had enormous teams that were supporting me both in front of clients and and behind the scenes. And you've got to lead them. You've got to make them feel that their work is purposeful and important. And if you're not doing that, um, people can feel used and resentful. So I think all of those things are really important um, in being a good salesperson and being curious is, is another one. Um, I think the best sellers and the best leaders are naturally curious people. Yeah, that's very true. But, you know, some people just don't have what it takes to be a successful salesperson. Um, how do you coach that person to be successful? Well, I'll, I'll tell you a story um, and this will answer your question. So I had a, a woman on my team. Um, this is when I was at IBM and she was brought over to me from another team. She was being moved from marketing into sales. And um, I was watching her for like the first two months that I was in the role. She was putting up zeros. And I was asking one of the women on the team who had been there a little longer, like, what's, what's going on with her? She doesn't even know how to lie yet. Like, nobody puts up zeros. That's bad. So <laughs> anyway, um, I said, you know, I want to get on the phone with her and with this other woman who had offered to, to coach her and mentor her. And so the three of us got on the phone and I asked her, her name was PJ. And I said, PJ do you understand your job? Do you, do, are you, are you just like really concerned that you don't know what's going on? I mean, tell me where you are. And what she told me was, Lindsay, I don't know what my job is. I was brought over here without a manager. I don't understand my role. I don't even know who I'm supposed to be talking to. And I said, okay, well, we've got a, we've got a place to start. I said, first of all, your job is this. And we explained what she would be doing. And then we proceeded to coach her and say, we've got your back. We want you to put your neck out there. We want you to say that you're managing these relationships. And if you get stuck or if you're concerned, you come to us and we'll help you. But you are responsible for these people. This is the stuff you're selling. This is why you're doing this role. And this is what it means to our business. Tell you what, in six months, she became my top performer. And that was a woman who I had to have some patience with her. I had to really meet her where she was and understand the struggle she was having, what she loved about the roles she had before. So I had comparison points to say, this is like that. This is when you did that. It's just a different lens, but you got this. And her feeling the confidence from us gave her the courage to stick her neck out, to build best practices, to take risks. And us taking away the fear made her unstoppable. And, and I've had that experience too. So um, that would be, I think, the, the best indication for, for someone. If you can give them that strength and if you can give them that support, they really they can really blossom. Now, to your point though, not everybody is a salesperson. Although I love to say this, 
everybody sells. And even if it's your teenager at home, they're selling you on why they need a PS5 or they're <laughs> selling you on why they don't have to eat their vegetables or, you know, somebody wants you to buy a product, they're selling. You know, someone's trying to get you to believe something they're saying, they're selling. So everybody does this. Some are more successful than others, but I always chuckle when I hear people say, oh, I'm not a salesperson. I can't be a salesperson. That's too cutthroat. That's too hard. Yes, there's pressure for sure. But I also believe that when you come at it from a place of service, when you come at it from, I want to get you what you need, I want to make you successful, it takes a lot of that, um, you know, perceived uh, hostility or threats or whatever that tone is that is associated with negative images of salespeople. Wow. Um, God, there's, there's so many nuggets in, in that answer. <laughs> Um, but I think two of the things that stand out for me, um, on how you help people are giving people confidence and support. Yeah. Uh, those two things in, in itself can make somebody successful at anything. 100%. Yeah. 100%. And, and then also helping people to overcome the fear of sales. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you, I'll, can I indulge with one other story? Of this course. Like, this happened to me. So um, I had just taken on a new role. It was a very, very large customer. I was the client exec for this customer. We had a $150 million quota. And this was a very complicated relationship. Um, this customer was our partner, our competitor, and our client. So strings attached on every side. So very, very challenging, a lot of attention um, and something our CEO was very concerned with. So like at a moment's notice, she needs something, you have to drop everything and give it to her. So high pressure, high stress. And um, I, I got a new boss and she was a friend of mine. I had known her for years and I started telling her the things that I was working on and what I was trying to do and what my goals were. And she stopped me and she's like, I love what you're doing. Girl, I've got your back. Now fly. And those words were so goosebump worthy at the time. And they still are to this day because I put myself right back in that moment. But what she did for me was to say, I got you. Now go crush it. Go try new things. Go build new relationships. And the same thing that I did for PJ, she did for me. She did it first. But she taught me that what a little bit of faith can have in, in someone and the belief that you were hired for this job and you're supposed to do it. I got you. I don't need to manage everything you're doing. I trust you. It was incredible. We crushed our number. We we all made 100% club. We got prizes and accolades for all the goodness that we did. But more importantly, we built this incredible relationship with this client. And it it increased the, the level of trust across the board, which yielded more business down the road. So that phrase was so paramount in our success. And I love when leaders understand that because all of a sudden their teams get to rise up and do incredible things as a result. Yeah, you know, I don't know why it is that, you know, some managers have this, this mentality that they need to micromanage, they yeah. need to constantly be on top of their employees. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't make you productive at all. No, it comes from fear and insecurity. Um, it comes from not understanding that when you lead with inspiration and when you lead with a sense of fun and connection and you provide your team's purpose, 
you don't have to micromanage them. They're going to tell you the things that they're going to do to make their number. They're going to volunteer information to, to help you see how, what they're capable of and how good they are. So it's, um, it's definitely a, a place of panic that most people are micromanaging. Oh my God, the pressure, we're not going to make our number. And if we don't make our number, we're all going to get fired. Like there's definitely that tone and it's hard for to step away from that and not knee jerk there. But when you say to your teams, guys, pressure is on and I need your help. Here's what we have to do. So how are we going to get there? And letting them come to the table with their ideas and new ways of doing things, it is so contagious. And I've done this and I saw my teams do it this way. And what also happened was my phone rang off the hook around the clock from people saying, I want to be on your team. You guys are having fun and you're crushing it. I want to be a part of that. So there's so many good things that comes out of that versus micromanagement, which is like the soul sucking, you know, sad you know, existence of I'm just doing a job. I'm just going to get this done. So they'll get off my back. And what an unfortunate way to work. Yeah, it's awful. Um, another question, Lindsay, uh, you're a mental health advocate yourself, right? Sure. Um, so you being in your position, have you ever in, in, encountered a person that was dealing with depression, anxiety, or something like that? And how did you deal yeah. with it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think as leaders, especially now, you know, there's this incredible focus on the whole person. And it's no longer just you've got a health plan, you've got dental plan, like mental services has become a really important aspect of how we care for our people. And, you know, the pandy was such a rough time for so many of us, especially our kids. And I speak from my children, they really struggled. And the these are well-adjusted, you know, very involved, outgoing kids. And they separately have twins. They separately had at different times, very serious struggles. And I think as a leader, part of being a good leader is understanding your people, who they are, what's going on in their life and how you can best support them. And I hear often, especially in sales, a lot of leaders, oh, I don't have time for one-on-ones. Well, then you're in the wrong role. And part of you caring for your team is having those check-ins. How's everybody at home? Are you doing okay? Is everybody doing okay? Because my kids weren't and I had to take care of them. And I had to, I had to leave the office, well, virtual office, because it was a pandemic. I had to go and take care of them and make sure they were getting the help they needed. And, you know, anybody that's had to find a therapist, they're, they're not abundant these days. You, it's very difficult to find the right person for your scenario. So it takes effort. It takes work. It takes referrals. And in order to do that, it it requires you know a lot of emotion a lot of stress um and a lot of managing things you probably haven't had to do before so i just really feel like from a leadership perspective checking in on your folks to ask them how they're doing emotionally physically psychologically and in their jobs is just being a good leader um and whether you know anything about mental health or you know a lot, asking that question isn't hard. 
And that's something that I think everybody needs to do. Wow, that is such an important point. And you're the first person that's actually said that, you know, you need to go beyond just the work and check on that person's personal totally. life. I mean, yeah, everybody has something going on. They do. And and you know what? The 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 absolute truth of the matter is when you're a leader and you ask that question of someone, you know, I always tell leaders, you have to ask the question, how can I be the best manager for you? So this is kind of an offshoot. You've already asked that question. This is, tell me what's going on in your life and where do you need the most support from me? First of all, if you ask that question, you are opening the door for trust. And those relationships that you're going to cultivate out of these questions are game-changing relationships. And when people have done that for me, whether they've asked me about my mental health or about my kids or whatever, however we get to that point, these are people that stay in my life. They're mentors to this day. They're friends to this day. They get Christmas cards from me and they're extremely valuable people in my world. And wouldn't you rather be that leader than be the star of someone's bad memory? I would. Yes, absolutely. See, I'm so glad you left IBM and started your <laughs> own thing. I mean, my God, you have so much to, to give to people. Oh, thanks. And, um, you know, just staying at a company for a long time. I mean, it's great, right? The retirement and all of that. But um, what you have to give, though, goes far beyond just being at a company. Oh, thanks. Well, you know, I was lucky. I IBM was really wonderful from a training perspective and from a management training perspective. And as a result, we had some phenomenal leaders. And I'll tell you, you know, and I, I, I've experienced this so many times when you're working for someone you admire and you adore and you would die on the vine for them when they leave that role and you're still there, there is such a vacuum and there is such a heartache of, damn it, they were amazing. We have this brilliant culture and now what are we going to get? And it's really hard for the next leader to come in and fill those shoes. But I was so lucky to have so many of them. And I take those lessons and those people with me wherever I go, because I think leaders can do better and they have to. And that's why I started this company. I think people deserve better. And um, certainly when I've been led by great people, my results were always better. Okay, this is a great point to segue. Um, tell us about Heartbeat for Hire. Sure. So Heartbeat for Hire um, is, I, I do two things. I'm a speaker and I coach leaders. Sometimes I coach C-suites and sometimes I coach individual leaders. And what I'm really trying to drive home is when you create that irresistible sales culture, it drives results. Now, the first thing I get asked is, well, does it have to be sales? Well, here's the cool part. Everything I teach is applicable to every leader. It just so happens I came from sales. That's the language I understand. That's the pressure I am most familiar with. So that's the way I start. And uh, do I work with others? Of course I do, and I'm happy to. Um, but that's my my company. I also, as you said, I have a podcast. I have a website. And I'm actively posting on pretty much every social platform there is except Twitter. So um, there's lots of stuff out there that, we're, that I'm doing. But... Um, it's been an incredibly uh, amazing and rewarding ride starting it. Starting a company is hard. And especially when you come from a corporate background where 
you know, everything's done for you. You know, your your accounts payable is done for you. Your travel is done for you. Everything is taken care of. So to do it all yourself, there's a lot that you don't understand. And I've learned a lot of lessons along the way, and I'm still learning every day. But one thing I know is leadership and I know culture and I know what it feels like when it's great. And I know what it feels like when it's awful. And that's the one thing I'm really trying to fix. That's awesome. So how do you balance your work life and your personal life? Well, lucky for me, I love my work life. So it feels very personal. And I I have to laugh when I'm out in the wild and I'm talking to friends and they're like, oh, I watch all of your videos. And I I laugh. I'm like, you do? You never comment on anything, but thanks. Um, But the the funny thing is, you know, when, when I see that connection for people and when I speak to people and I see the light bulbs go on, that just charges my battery so much. But um, I, I learned a lesson, um, once and someone told me, they said, this is when I was working for IBM. They said, you know, they will take as much as you give. And that was a really important, um, comment for me to listen to, because at that time I felt I have to respond to everything right away. I've got to be prompt with everything I do. So they know, like I'm on my game and, If I had waited five hours or two hours or even an hour to respond, nobody would have cared. They would have been totally fine with it. But the the truth of the matter is I learned boundaries and I have become really protective of my time with my kids, of my time with my family. And um, I also became very, very intentional with who I spend my time with. So I am... um, And this happened through the pandemic. I really stopped living an obligatory life. I think before that I was going to the showers and, you know, doing the PTO meetings and all these things that were not filling my, recharging my battery. They were just like, it would be good if you went, it would look really good. And I stopped doing that. And I, I, I now do the things and spend time with the people that make me feel whole and make me feel full and make me feel good. And um, they, I can be honest with them. They can be honest with me. And that's really important to me. So that was kind of a long answer to your simple question. But <laughs> I mean, that was wonderful, though, because um, so many people need to hear that. You know, yeah. you, you have to set boundaries for yourself. You can't say yes to everything. Yeah, it's important. And I think so many, especially young professionals that are really hungry, make the mistake of, well, if I don't do this right away, they're going to think poorly of me. And that's just not the case. It's it's be thoughtful with your response, take a breath, take care of yourself. And um, because nobody else is going to do that for you, you you've really got to put yourself first. Yeah, that's very true. How did you become a podcaster? Ah, so um, <laughs> I was told in the early days of Heartbeat for Hire, you're going to do a podcast. And this is by someone I respected very much. And I was like, I am. And he was like, you are. And I said, okay, is it go buy a microphone and start. And I was like, uh, is there a class? Is there like, how do I do this? <laughs> I didn't go to journalism school. Um, but anyway, I, um, I just started and I'm really fortunate. The guests that are on my podcast are Olympians and world champion triathletes and world renowned coaches, social media influencers, um, 
pro golfers, pro football players, um, really interesting people. And it's their story with a lens of leadership, culture, and resilience. So it's it's everything I talk about, but it's through them. And um, the stories are, some are gut-wrenching and some are eye-opening and they're just really a fun listen. Um, so I hope people tune in because it's, it's a lot of really cool people with some very interesting perspectives on life. Um, but all the thread that runs through all of it is that leadership, culture, and resilience. It's, it's very cool. I've checked your show out and it's a wonderful show. I recommend it to anybody. Um, you, you just have a natural gift for that as well. I mean, your show is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. It's, it got, I got good at it. It took time. It took time. And you know what? That's a, that's a good note for anybody. I, I talk to a lot of people that are like, oh my God, I'm so afraid to post and I've not put out content yet. And that's so scary to me. And you do video all the time. Well, the first time I did video, I was terrified. I don't think I was good at it. I don't think what I was talking about was all that helpful. And I've learned over time, like you've got to create a hook. You've got to make people be interested. You've got to tug on their heartstrings a little bit. And um, all of these things, you get better the more you do it. And you're the same way. I mean, I'm sure when you first started, you weren't super comfortable like you are now. And no. look at you. I mean, I was terrified too. And my first guest, Lindsay, was this R&B star that everybody knows. And I was like, oh my God, I don't have the right equipment. I don't have this, I don't oh, have that. You just have to start though. That's it. That's it. And once you start, it gets better and better and better. And you start to recognize the things that people respond to the most um, or the best or like, oh, great question. I mean, when you hear that over and over again, you're like, I'll keep that one. I'll reuse that question. And that's going to be a thread I'm going to say over and over again. So um, yeah, you'll definitely hear that in the podcast. There's a few questions that I always ask um, and I get different answers every time that I love. So what part about your job do you like the most? Do you like coaching people or do you prefer to do podcasting? Um, I actually like speaking the most. Um, that is like my favorite lane. I feel like I can cast the widest net. I feel like I can hit the most people with the most important stuff. Um, so to me, um, getting that recognition of Oh, I get it. I'm picking up what she's putting down. This makes sense. I, I get such a thrill out of that. And then, you know, after the speaking engagement, seeing the LinkedIn connections and the, I tried this and thank you for that recommendation that tells me I'm doing something right. So I, that's probably my favorite thing. Um, the other thing I love is if I get the opportunity to coach a C-suite and change the fabric of a company, um, really go from a place of attrition to inspiration. And, you know, when you can see people are talking on social media about their company and the good things that are going on and reasons they love and adore and respect their leaders, like that's, that's it. That's the, the best thing I could hope for. That's great. So, Lindsay, you know, we have to do this again because it's been so Anytime. fun. And I know my, my guests are going to get so much value out of this show. Um, do you have a last thought for our guests today? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah. You know what? There's one thing I didn't touch on that I think is so important, and that's fun. And um, 
whether you're leading a group of people or you're in your job and you're you don't have HR direct reports, finding the fun and creating the fun is so important. You know, you're in your job for more than 60% of your your time. So you got to love it. You got to find the laughter and you got to find the ways to connect with people. And I did a lot of that as a leader and it still, we're still reaping the benefits of the things that we did then. Um, You can't underestimate how important fun is. And I just, I think life is serious enough. Um, So when we can find those points of connection and find those points of laughter, it changes the game. It makes you want to come to work. And that's just really important. Yeah. Like my uh, mentor, Jack Canfield said, if it ain't fun, don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. It's true. And, you know, it's not to say that you're minimizing the seriousness of what you do, but you got to find the ways to laugh. And, you know, we we did a um, one of my teams, we did a, a Kahoot with them. And, you know, a Kahoot's this like multimedia quiz. And I had everybody send me one interesting fact that no one knew about them. And um, it was so much fun because every every question was a little unexpected. So they're all multiple choice. And this one question, I'll never forget. The question was, this person has visited every major ballpark in North America, but one. And so the answers were three men and one woman. And everyone answered the men. And it was the woman. And they're like, Moksha, what? You what? You've seen every ballpark? That's incredible. What's left? So every time anyone got on the phone with Marsha, guess what? Hey, Marsha, did you get the ballpark yet? Are you almost done? What's the plan? And there was a, Marsha was so much more than just a technical person on our team. She became a human. And there's other things that Marsha did that she got to talk about. She was an expert gardener and she canned vegetables and she loved living on 40 acres. Like there was really cool things about her that nobody would have even asked if we hadn't created those points of connection. So that's all from fun. Thank you so much, Lindsay. How can people find you on social media? Well, first you can go to my website, heartbeatforhire.com. All of my socials are there, but you can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on Insta. You can find me on Facebook and on TikTok um, and on YouTube. And it's all Lindsay Dowd H4H. So you can find it all from my website, which is much easier. And that's heartbeatforhire.com. Thank you so much, Lindsay. We will definitely be back in touch and I will see you again very, very soon. Oh, it was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for watching Victory Circle Podcast. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel.